Do you ever go like, what on earth did eggs and bunnies have to do with Jesus? Nothing. Nothing at all. Of course, we're starting uh, a new series today called The Walking Dead. So what has Jesus got to do with zombies? Did you ask that question? The Walking Dead. Any fans out there of the show? Did some of, <laughs> some of you guys just came because you thought it was like a Walking Dead premiere or something like that? On our Facebook, we put a thing on Facebook, and people were like, Jesus was the first zombie. And I'm like, well, kind of, you know, a little bit. Uh, maybe a little friendlier than zombies, right? <laughs> But I want to talk about what the idea is about The Walking Dead because it does, that concept, besides the zombie connection, relates to us. There was a time in my life where I felt like Walking Dead. There's many ways that internally we can be dead. You ever felt empty, you know, or without purpose, or lonely, or just dead or detached emotionally? Those are all ways of being dead inside. And Jesus and the message of Jesus and what he accomplished is so that we could have life, the Bible says, and so that we can have it more abundantly. So if there is a place in your life that you are not feeling that your life is more than abundant, which is what Jesus came to make available, I want to talk about that today and how that can be possible and how either you can begin that journey with him or you can enter into a deeper relationship than you've had before. Because I really believe, I know Easter's a big deal to me, and Easter doesn't mean anything. I kind of like calling it Resurrection Sunday. But people don't know what you're talking about half the time. So, um, But because of what happened and what Jesus did, the story of Easter changed my life personally, and that's why I'm excited about it and excited to celebrate today. He took my life from a place that it was dead and that I was dead inside and gave me life. And my life has been exciting and purposeful and meaningful from that day. It was my day that I received Jesus as my Lord was February 11th, 1973. Yeah. It's kind of fun to remember. You know, it's exciting when you get to remember. Not everybody does, but Jesus changes lives whether you remember the date that it happened or not. So I want to talk about, um, the Bible speaks a lot about going from death to life, and I want to read one of these verses in Ephesians 2 and verse 5. It says, even when we were what? Dead in trespasses, made us what? Alive together with Christ. And then it says, by grace you have been saved or made whole. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his what? Grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. So is there a, did you notice that there's one word that's used a lot in that verse, in those couple of verses? It's grace. I want to talk about that because there is no topic that is more redundant, I think, in the Bible. I mean, redundant's kind of a negative word, repeated in a good way. It's not redundant at all. It's just repeated frequently. 
in the Bible, but grace. And so in the book of Romans, if you haven't read it in the Bible, it's grace, 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 grace. God repeats this so much because it's so hard to understand and to keep a hold of. Our whole world system is based on works. Works and earning things are the opposite of grace. Grace means God's favor, God's goodness when we don't deserve it. It is God's love. Technically, it's his unmerited favor. His divine favor that's unmerited, it's unearned. It's the opposite. And the Bible keeps making the opposite between earned and grace. And yet in church, half the time, a lot, of, a lot of times people are afraid to come to church because they feel undeserving. That's the opposite of grace. Church should be the safest place in the world where you can come, be a mess. You can be screwed up, broken, hurting. It should be the place that is the most accepting place of all of our flaws and our brokenness, and we feel his love and experience that. And today, I just want to talk about Jesus in a way that my goal is to help you feel that a little bit today. If you could use some of that, of feeling his unconditional love, I want to just help you to see Jesus and who he is a little bigger today, on this day that we celebrate his death and his resurrection and what he accomplished. It says, and what's interesting about this whole section, it says, we were dead in trespasses. And we're going to talk about this later in the series. Trespasses, you know, it's interesting because the Bible says trespasses are things that we did that are opposite of God's will. And it's interesting because everybody gets this turned around. People think sin. Anybody, Anybody feel weird about the word sin? Like, do you like it or no? <laughs> yeah, it's got that kind of, does you, do you feel guilt just thinking about it? You're just like, oh, you know. In fact, a lot of times what people do is they just change, like, they're like, I just, we'll just avoid the word. There's no such thing as sin. It's just like, it's all good. You know, whatever you do is all good. You know, that kind of breaks down a little bit, don't you think? Usually then what happens, because sin is just like, Sin is where we don't go according to God's word. Now, what happens is people relate to God like he made up rules. When we fall short, we're supposed to feel like crap, feel embarrassed, feel shame. All of those things hide out from God. The Bible speaks about sin and what it is of not listening to God. If God's word, in the word of God, when you read God's will, God's word is his will. Everything in God's word is for us and for our blessing. God didn't put it together for rules to make people obey. God is not some big power mogul in the sky that's just looking for people to obey his rules. People do that to other people, not God. Everything in God's word are things that give us life and that help us live life to the full. You know, God says not to steal because it hurts you and other people. Do you know what I'm saying? Lying. I used to be a big, big liar. You know, lying is not listening to God's word, but lying steals from us. It doesn't just hurt other people. It's one of those things that steals from us. So it's interesting, in looking at this verse, it says, when we were dead in trespasses, anything that is not according to God's will 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 lead to death inside, not because he's punishing. It just are the rules of life. You go against the rules of nature and of life, you hurt yourself. If you jump off of a building and die because of the law of gravity, God didn't cause your death. You're defying the laws of nature. God is all about how 
teaching us how to live our lives that they can be full and rich and meaningful. So even when we were dead because of those things, he made us alive with Christ. And so I want to look at this grace more so we can really, really understand it. There's a great story. Oh, and actually, you know what? It's just interesting. I I actually just want to touch again on on later in verse 7. It says, In the ages to come, he might show his exceeding riches of his grace. Then it says, By grace you have saved, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So it's interesting. God says that he wants to even show us in a bigger in, in bigger ways in the age to come when Jesus returns even more his grace. It's just like grace, grace, grace. Uh, John 8 and verse 2. This is a story. You know, Jesus did not get along with the high-up religious people. Isn't that funny? You know, he, he was just like, didn't go with what was the normal kind of religious world. So here we go in John 8. It says, now early in the morning, he, Jesus, came into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. And in verse 3, when the scribes and Pharisees brought him a woman caught in adultery, and when they set her in the midst, can you imagine, like, dragging this woman in? I don't even know if she's got clothes on, probably. You know what I'm saying? I mean, well, we'll read, because it says, They threw her in the midst of all the people and said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. They they got her while she's having sex with somebody else that she's not married to. Would that be a little bit of a rough moment? Would that be humiliating? Can't even imagine. In the very act, they got to emphasize that. Like, hey, we didn't just say this. We saw it happen. Just like it says in verse 5, Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something to which, of which to accuse him. They dragged a woman caught in the very act in adultery, throw her in the middle of people just to trick him and want to say, are you going to stone this woman? Well, one of the things, since they walked in, you know, it's just, it's interesting. Religion and spirituality are very different in a way. I mean, religion meaning man-made. I know some people have a positive idea of religion, but today, typically, it's, it refers to what people add to what God has. Man-made kind of things. So, here they saw her in the very act, where's the man? The, the law says the man gets stoned, too. Talk about hypocritical. I wonder why they just kind of conveniently left him there and only dragged him. Do you know the bias and the hard-heartedness and of just what's driving these people? That they would want to stone this woman just to test Jesus. It says, and Jesus stooped down and wrote in the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who was without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. It's really interesting in the world, if we don't get grace, if we don't understand what grace is, then we tend to compare sins. You know, like if you're going to go the work system, like earning God's love, that you're good enough, like you go to church, you pay your tithe, you know, whatever you think are good. I don't lie, I don't steal, I'm, you know, 
I help the homeless or whatever that is, I don't know, like nice things, things that you think are nice. But whatever that is, we still, even if you live an awesome life, grace is a big deal. Because if we're living in a way that our behavior is trying to earn God's love or God's favor, all we're going to do is compare. There's, that's the only other thing. Look around you and go, oh, I'm glad. There's even a parable, Jesus says, where there's, you know, a sinner and a Pharisee, a religious guy, and the religious guy's saying, oh, I'm glad I pay all my tithes. I go to church. I mean, he said synagogue, not church, but same idea, right? And he's like, glad I'm not like this guy, this sinner, you know. And then Jesus says that the sinner beat on his breast and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said that the guy that's the sinner that beat on his breast was the one that went home righteous, not the guy that followed all the rules. Now, that doesn't mean that the thing is, is being a good person, there's reasons for that, but we're going to see that it needs to come from another place, not a place of wanting to deserve God's love or his favor. So Jesus is saying to them, okay, whichever one of you is without sin, go ahead, throw a stone. Because there is no big sin or little sin in God's eyes in that way. Falling short's falling short. Who knows? You know, part of me kind of thinks, I wonder if they're talking about, you know, like, if, if in the way that he said it, that it was directed a little bit to, if you haven't done it, maybe, you know. Then in verse 8, it, sa- um, it says, again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground, those then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst, when Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Gosh. And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. This is what grace looks like. This is the grace that we've been given. Is Jesus is saying, I don't condemn you. Whatever it is right now, whatever place that you fall short, Jesus is saying, I don't condemn you. It says it's the goodness of God that leads us to want to have a change of a heart and a change of life. Never from a place of earning it. I've seen that in my life so much. That Jesus loves you right now. He, you can't, he can't love you any more than he already does. He accepts you. You don't have to do anything ever. From this moment on, you get, he said, he already let her go. He says, I don't condemn you. And he said, don't do this again. But guess what? The pardon had already been given. Could she go and do whatever she wanted? Sure. What's, what's going to happen with that, right? She can go back and commit adultery that day. Okay, bye. See ya. Peace out, you know. Do you know what I mean? Like, you could. That is what grace looks like. Grace doesn't have strings attached. It really is a free gift that we get to do with whatever we want to. It's his goodness. Sometimes it takes time to heal and to change things in our lives. You know, it's interesting. I saw this really big in my life. Um, As far as God's grace go, I get it. Grace is huge for me. And when we receive grace for ourselves, it's easy to give it to other people and to have our heart be softer towards others as well because we don't start working on that comparing thing. You know, years um, ago, our church, you know, 
has only been, it's been new as far as Sunday services. We're a brand new church less than a couple years ago or about a couple years ago that we opened. And um, before that, we were doing home fellowships. But before that, it started as a gang ministry uh, for kids on the east side San Jose. And we've got some of those people left from those days uh, around still. So that's pretty exciting. But I was doing ministry, and I was excited, and and I think this is where I saw grace really live for me because I was wanting so much to minister to those kids because they had hard backgrounds and difficult childhoods like me. I came from a very abusive home, maybe not the same environment as theirs. Um, And so I really wanted to help and do all that I could to be there for them. And it's interesting because I saw God work in amazing ways in ministry, but in, the, in that time that I was doing ministry, I was really caught up in, in I, because I had been through an abusive childhood, I didn't know how to have healthy relationships. That was just the thing. I, my mom had been married three times, so I just didn't know how to do relationships. So I was married at the time to my first husband, and I was cheating on him throughout the 11 years of our marriage. And I saw with my own eyes, like, that's pretty crappy. I mean, that's hurtful. I was being deceptive. I was hurting somebody. There were so many, you know, bad things about that. But I saw God's love for me. I saw him fighting for me so that I saw his love in other parts of my life. I saw his love taking care of my heart that I could be there for those kids. I saw miracles, guys. Talk about a screwed-up minister, You know, I'm one of those people that they make fun of and people give people reason not to be Christian. I'm a minister behaving that way. That's disgusting, right? Just like, ugh, this is what gives people Christianity a bad name. But even then, I saw God's power. There were times that I laid hands on people and we saw miracles like instant healing. God loved me in spite of where I was at that people would get instantly healed when I'd pray for them. I don't deserve that. I don't deserve for God to be working in me that way. But I saw his love, his unconditional love. That's how he is for you right now. God's not punishing you because of areas of your life. It's just when we don't do God's word, we hurt because of the consequences, like jumping off of a building. We're defying gravity. If I'm cheating on my husband, guess what? You can't have great relationships being deceptive. That's why you change. How can you have great relationships that way? You can't. But I got his love, and it made me want to change. That's what grace is. Now, how can grace be okay? Won't people go crazy? Because people always say that. A lot of people teach grace, but like there are a lot of places. Somebody was telling me they came from a background where they were raised where it's grace up until the day you get saved. And then after that, you can't sin anymore. No wonder people wait till they're like old to get saved. (laughs) Right? I mean, people go, I want to have some fun. I'm not going to get saved now. I'll wait till I'm on my deathbed and that's when I'll go, yes, Jesus, I want you. It makes sense if that's the way it works, right? God's word says it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. The reason I changed those things is because I got to believe that God's ways worked for me and healed my life. God doesn't ask us to do things that are going to hurt us or make our lives suck. Like, 
learning how to have a good relationship and being faithful is a blessing to my life. I mean, I'm a place where I'm married to my husband now. We've been having an amazing marriage for over 14 years. I don't even think about anybody else ever. I'm so in love with him. That's grace. I don't deserve to have a second chance. But that's God's grace and healing. Wherever you're from, God wants the best for you. He wants healing for you. He wants it all for you. He's not sitting there going, well, you don't deserve it. Look at how you screwed up the first time. Like, you can't be happy. God's not like that. We've made mistakes. God is not withholding his goodness from that. Do you see when, does that make sense? It's just like when you go counter to the laws of life, we hurt ourselves that way, as well as hurting other people. Let's go to Romans 3 in verse 10. It says, there is none righteous, no, not one. Now, if, if you go to church every Sunday, give your tithe and all that, does that make you righteous? According to the Bible, there's none righteous, no, not one, even if you're like one of the good people. Because overall, I'm kind of probably one of the good people now, you know? But there's none righteous, no, not one. You know, we still sin in ways that we're selfish. We still sin in ways that we have judgments. We still sin in ways that we have envy, you know? Hard-heartedness, any of those things, all of them, same. In uh, Romans 3 and verse uh, 19, it says, Now we know whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, that's being a goody-goody, no flesh will be justified in his sight. Like keeping all the rules of the Bible, or nobody can, but if you kept like, you know, a good amount of them, no flesh will be justified, for the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through, the righteousness of God is what? Through what? Faith in Jesus. To whom? All and on all who do what? Believe. For there is no difference. There's no distinction in people. Jesus came for every person on the earth. It says, in verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by what? His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Redemption is to purchase. It means every place that we have fallen short, it's been paid for already by Jesus. Everything you did before, everything you're going to do, it says Jesus and his life and his sacrifice. That's why this whole thing of celebrating Easter and the resurrection is such a big deal. Jesus gave his, gave his life, willingly laid it down. It paid for everything. You know, this next verse that I'm going to, it says that it's through faith. So I want to talk about what that is. Faith, all that God did about faith is make it so that it's a free will gift. God gives every person free will to choose him or to not to choose him. Not everybody will, but it's available. God wants that. It says God wants it for everybody. God wants to, for all of us to experience his love and to taste his love. Well, I got saved, I told you, February 11th, 1973. 
it was a big deal. I was raised atheist, and so my whole life I was taught God's stupid, people that believe in God are ignorant people. Uh, but my life was hell. My childhood was hell. Um, I wanted to die. Talk about walking dead. I was, wa I was so can relate to walking dead. Even as a young person, I was extremely abused physically and sexually as a child, and every day I just wanted to die. I remember, like, I remember being in my crib. I don't understand how I can remember this. And my dad getting me out of the crib and thinking I wanted to die. I don't even know how I would know what that is. But that's how much I was dead inside. I was dead emotionally. My dad would abuse me. I would look at him like, you can do anything you want to me. He would threaten to kill me. I would look at him and be like, no matter what you do, you can't get to me. That's how dead I was inside. And all of a sudden, this friend of mine, George Hackett, he was kind of like this notorious heroin addict in our school. He ch all of a sudden, he was like, he used to look like death. He was like walking death. He looked like Jesus on the, on the cross, crucified, like, you know, emaciated and just, you know. Uh, but it was because he did a lot of drugs. And all of a sudden, one day, he's singing his guitar, singing songs about Jesus. So I asked my friend, Missy Johnson, I was like, Missy, what happened to George Hackett? And she said, he got saved. And I go, what is that? And, and she said, well, and she opened her Bible to this verse, and Missy was kind of a scary person that was always trying to beat me up. <laughs> She's big and had braces and big forehead, and she kind of looked like Frankenstein. Hopefully she won't listen to this tape someday. So, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I asked her, like, so I was like, what is saved? And she opened her Bible, and she said, she read me this verse that I want to read to you, Romans 10, 9. She said that if thou, sh if you, uh, I got it in my King James, so I'm reading um, old King James, that is. But that's, an, uh, it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So she read me this verse, and she said, she said, this is it. All you have to do is make Jesus Lord and believe God raised him from the dead, that he gave his life. He's, she told me that this Jesus, and I used to make fun of Jesus. I used to make fun of people that believed in him. I used to be, ah, oh, you're just like. And she's like, no, he, he gave his, I go, I don't have to do anything. She's like, no. It's already been done. He gave his life for you, and he loves you just the way you are. And I never cried back then because I was so hard and dead inside. And I went home, and I just, I said, I want to get saved. I cried, and I stayed up all night praying and receiving Jesus as my Lord. And that was the beginning of my relationship. I could not believe that Jesus loved me, even though I made fun of him. I felt like I was a black sheep my whole life. I felt like I was stained because of the things that happened to me. I used to not like church or church people because I always thought they're judging me. But the fact that Jesus said that he gave his life and loved me just the way I am and there was nothing I had to do to earn it or deserve it, that's grace. That's his life. Amen. Amen. 
It's available at any time to any person, his love. Whether you've never been saved, you can choose that and begin a relationship with him. If you have been saved, maybe it's been a time where you have had a hard time receiving his grace that maybe you've hid out. Because sometimes that happens. If you've thought of Jesus as being disapproving or been ashamed or felt like you've fallen short in some way that you've hidden from him and his love, he wants you to have his love. He wants you to have his grace. He wants you to have a relationship. He wants you, it says in John 10, 10, that he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And that's not money, guys. I mean, today that's, oh, more abundant. Well, you know, it's not it. Money isn't it. More abundant. Think about what that would mean to you right now. Is there pla- are there places in your life that aren't feeling more than abundant right now? That it might be feeling lacking, that might be feeling a little empty. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly, John 10.10 says. I want to go to one more. This is kind of relates to it in Romans 6 and verse 4. It says, Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism unto death. Meaning, when Christ was buried, guess where our sins went? In the hole with him. Amen? You, got, you don't got to pay for nothing no more. Nothing. It's free. His love is free. We want to live differently because we want new life, and this is what this speaks about. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so... We also should walk in what? Newness of life. We, that's his will for us, that your life can begin again today. If you've lived in shame and guilt and condemnation and hidden from God, it can start today to have a new life. It's just wanting change and wanting things different because in him there's life and there's freedom. If there's changes, it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance and to change. But whether or not you change or not, his love and his grace are still with you. It says that his body and the cross and the price that he paid, it says that by his stripes, the whip marks on his back. You know, it says that Jesus was crucified beyond recognition. In fact, it prophesied in the Old Testament that, we wouldn't, that he would be beaten so much that you couldn't recognize. You think the passion something... The way that the Bible describes what Jesus went through, the passion's nothing, you know. It says, by his stripes, the stripes on his back, we were healed. It paid for our healing. Physical healing has been paid for by Jesus. That's the will of God that that we would be healed. There is no physical ailment that is God's will for your life. And it says that his blood was shed to wash us from all sin. So it's shed blood, and, and so communion, we're going to have a communion in a little bit here, and I want to do a meditation to kind of prepare your hearts to receive what Jesus gave. And you don't have to be anywhere in your spiritual journey to receive communion. Jesus gave his life and his love for you right now, so there's no person that can't receive this. doesn't matter what you've done. It says his, bro- his broken body paid for our physical healing. His blood washed us clean from sin, that we never have to pay for it again. So I want you to just think about areas that maybe you could use physical healing, 
or areas that you've kept sin and where you just have felt guilty or ashamed. And to receive the blood of Jesus Christ, it symbolizes the blood, we believe, not the actual blood. But that it cleanses you from all unrighteousness, that you're washed clean and you don't need to deserve it. Just to have this be the beginning that you're not letting shame and guilt hold you back from a relationship with him and walking in the newness of life, that you can walk in the newness of life every, every moment, every day we get to walk in that life. So I want to start a little, I'm going to start a little meditation, and then also what I'm going to do in this meditation before we do the communion ceremony is I want you guys to think about if you don't have a relationship with Jesus right now, you know, if you haven't begun that, that this could be a time that you say yes. Last year at Easter, we have people that began their relationship, said yes to Jesus, and got saved on Easter Sunday. So if that's a desire of your heart, to just say yes to, to Jesus and, and to begin that and receive the gift of Holy Spirit and get saved and have eternal life, become a child of God that you can receive that. But I also want to speak because there's a lot of people that I know that got saved at a, you know, way back, maybe way back in the day like me or whenever, that maybe it's a time for you to walk in the newness to begin that journey. Are there places that you haven't been walking in that newness? You know, to start again, to recommit your life to Jesus and to say, yes, Lord, I want to receive your grace. I want to taste your love. I want to taste your grace. You can start over again every day. You know, seriously, every day can be brand new. You, you don't got to, oh, I already did that a month ago. I feel stupid because I kind of walked away a little bit. No, every day. There's no payment. There's no repayment. You can start today again. So um, why don't you all close your eyes. I'm going to pray, and then I want to lead you into a meditation. And I, I want to pray for you guys. So just get quiet. Close your eyes and rest. And I want you just to take time to think about what Jesus gave. If you feel yourself, sometimes you might feel yourself pushing away from that. Like, no, it's too much, it's too good. How could that be real? Don't let walls keep you from receiving his love right now. Because so many times, it's hard to let love in, you know, sometimes, right? There is nothing like his love. There is nothing like his grace. It is unconditional. Maybe it's just taking a chance at tasting it today. Maybe you have pushed it away over and over again. We all have at different times. People have hurt us, so sometimes it's hard to trust. Sometimes it's hard to let love in. Jesus is different from other people in our lives that have hurt us. His love you can take in, and it's safe. So maybe today it's a time to just try it. Maybe it's a time to just think, I want to taste your love, Lord just to tell him that. I want to taste it today. Help me to see your grace more. Help me not to rely on myself and my own works, trying to earn your love. Help me to receive who you are today. I want to pray. For people there's any people right now 
that have received Jesus before but want to receive him again, that want to walk in the newness of life today. Just keep your eyes closed, and, but if you guys can raise your hands so I can pray for you, if people would like to say, today I want to walk in your newness, Lord. Just tell Jesus right now, I want, I want to be there. I want to receive you today. I'm going to pray for you guys right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that we can come to you every day that we don't have to feel foolish or embarrassed for places that we've fallen short, but every day we can come and receive your grace, that we don't deserve it. There are places that we fall short over and over again. Help us not to run from you because of that, because of our sense of shame, because you don't shame us. You gave your son, your only begotten son, Jesus, that you gave your life for us. Help us to know you, Jesus, to know your love. Help us to walk in a deeper way in our relationship with you. We just pray, Lord, that we dedicate our lives to say, I want to walk with you anew today. Help me to walk with you in a bigger way and to trust you. I also want to pray for people that may not have had a relationship with Jesus, that maybe it's just something that you'd like to pursue today, to give a chance if you guys will raise your hands, anybody that wants to start their journey today with Jesus. I'm going to pray for you guys right now. Lord Jesus, I can't believe that you have loved us the way that you do, that you continue to love us. Help us right now. I pray for those that have not known you, have not had a relationship, Jesus, that this could be the beginning, that all we have to do is say, yes to you to say yes jesus you are my lord and that and to believe that god raised him from the dead that you promise at that moment lord that we can have eternal life that we can know you that we become children of god i pray lord for that for these people to come to know you and just to tear down whatever walls on, on our heart to say yes to you, Jesus, I want to begin this journey with you. And now for everybody in the room, I want you to think about before we receive communion, and I want you to stay in a contemplative place. It's really important to take in the blood and body of Christ in a way that you can really receive what he gave, to think about where your needs are in your life that you can receive this. If you need physical healing, where are the places that your body it says Jesus in his body, broken body paid for that, to receive it, to say, Lord, help me receive what you gave on that cross. For his shed blood to say, Lord, help me to receive if there's shame or guilt that's held you back, places that you felt like I don't deserve the Lord, to just allow that his blood paid the price and washed you clean. And it's not to make you feel guilty. It's just the opposite. It's to make you feel his love and his grace that there's nothing we could do on our own for that. So when your heart is ready, again, I want to just stay in the meditation place, but you can quietly and contemplatively, just thinking about the Lord, come up, and there we have cups here with communion that have uh, 
the juice and the bread, you can come up and qu try and stay quiet and, and, and just thinking and meditating, and then we'll close out in prayer. But as you feel ready, you can come up and receive communion if you'd like. Everybody is welcome to do that. There are two tables here in the front by me. Jesus, we're so thankful for all that you did. We're thankful that you gave your life. Help us to receive it. Help us to understand that we can walk in newness, that that's your desire for us is to have life and to have it more abundantly. That you paid the price, Jesus, that everything you did paid the price. That you said that we're to take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, to do this in remembrance of you. And that the cup, the, the, the cup is the New Testament in your blood that washes us clean from sin, from all the places that we fall short. Help us to receive it and to be grateful, to not push you away, to not push your love away, that we can take you in. That that's what you desire, Lord. It's exciting. That you gave your life not that we would feel guilt at all, but just the opposite. Jesus, that we can be like even that woman caught in adultery, that there have been times in our life like that that we have felt like we've been thrown in the middle and exposed for the places that we fall short, but that your words to her are the same as the words that you have to us to na now, that neither do I condemn you, and that, Jesus, that that is your heart for us, that there is no condemnation, it says, to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit, that's in you, that we can have a Holy Spirit, that we can be born again, that we can walk with you, that we can walk in faith, not by our works, not by our flesh, not by being self-reliant. Self-reliant is exhausting. Trusting in, our, in ourselves there's so many areas that we just don't measure up, that we're weak. Lord, that we can look to you, Jesus, that you say that for the joy, that it was for the joy that was set before you that you endured the cross. The joy was in looking to us today that we would be able to know you and all the people that have believed and have made you Lord, that we could receive your gift. Jesus of your life. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.